Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Interlegi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests in sharing experiences, information and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to name a few. You can learn more, connect to the Loop Me In community and listen to more episodes on our website, loop-me-in.com.au. Hi, today's podcast is with Jam the Label. Welcome, ladies, to our podcast. Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about Jam. How did this start for you girls? Molly and I met at university while studying to become occupational therapists. At the time, we both worked casually as disability support workers, in particular with young people with disability. Molly worked with a young boy called Jack and I worked with a young girl called Maddie. Both Jack and Maddie have cerebral palsy. They are wheelchair users and they're reliant on others to get dressed each day. So Molly and I used to come together at uni all the time and talk about how dressing was such a difficulty for Jack and Maddie and nearly all of our clients that we worked with and how anything that was a bit easier for them to get dressed in and that wasn't so time consuming was really daggy and not stuff we would want to wear and you know they were having to compromise on style and fashion just to make things a bit easier in the day or to save a bit of time and we thought well we didn't have to compromise on that so why should Jack and Maddie and you know young adults that are really coming into the stage of their life when they're expressing themselves through their fashion choices and their styles so that's where we sort of came up with the idea for Jam which is named after Jack and Maddie and yeah to think about creating inclusive adaptive fashion items that are both functional and fashionable. What did Jack and Maddie think about the name? Oh, absolutely stoked. Jack, yeah, they both grin from ear to ear whenever we talk to them and tell them that we've been chatting about them again or, yeah, super, super excited. So tell us a little bit about, for example, I noticed there's no tags on your items. So tell us a little bit about where you got your ideas from. We've got a few reasons why we've eliminated tags. First of all, because everyone finds tags super annoying. I know I'm always trying to get rid of the tag or move it into different positions. So we just sort of eliminated that for people with sensory differences, but also for people, say, like Jack and Maddie, who Jack is communicates non-verbally, so he uses a communication device, but not always is able to communicate his thoughts. So we were saying that, you know, for someone like Jack, if a tag's annoying him, there's no way that he can let us know that that's annoying him. And he also has sort of limited use of his arms, so he isn't able to reach back and itch that tag away. So for people with sort of communication difficulties, or yeah sensory differences there's sort of so many different reasons why tags can be difficult for people or annoying for people and so we just yeah eliminated them to get rid of that difference and I think you know that's a really clear design feature that's really easy to explain to people because when you explain it everyone understands and everyone's like oh yeah tags are so annoying why do we need them but you know all of our different products have different design features that some are a little bit more elaborate or involved and meet a quite more of a specific need whereas others are more universal like removing tags or having printed on tags so with our first product which was a wheelchair accessible jacket that was specifically created to be put on and taken off while seated in a wheelchair you know it had features like a shorter back opened up like a poncho so it could be put on whilst in the seated position all those kind of things that were quite specific to people that use wheelchairs however yeah 
There's lots of other products that we've created since that have been much less individualized and meeting a broader um, range of needs. Yeah, I did like the pants you had where the, you zip them up on the side and you kind of don't realize that until like sitting in a wheelchair, how are you going to pull up the pants? So doing it on the side just makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Mm. And similarly, but like Emma was saying, with those pants are sort of designed for people who need assistance dressing. So yeah, when you're getting dressed lying down, those side zips and sort of that access is really good. But then they also have elastic at the back and belt loops so that people who can just pull them up, you can just pull them up like trackies. So we're trying to sort of, yeah, make them really universal so that no matter what your dressing needs are, these products are able to assist. Yeah, I think that's great, actually, because I know that with Louis, we struggle with jeans, mm. trying to not have him do a, a tradies bloody flash. Which is, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're always saying, pull your pants up, Louis, pull your pants up, Louis, which is, must be really annoying for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just for his dignity, we don't want him flashing his bum. But yeah, no, so that high, that elastic waist, I think is really important. And they look so groovy, those got the lower waist and mm-hmm. they look really contemporary, which is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that's a really important part of all of our products and our whole brand is that we are trendy and, you know, age appropriate and something that anyone that's a young adult would want to wear and want to show off. Um, we really, from the start, said we don't want to be medicalised. We don't want to be this sort of specialist equipment that only people with disability have access to. We really want to be like any other fashion brand. And so that's been really important to us throughout this whole process. Yeah, I was really happy to see that because I've always found with Matthew, I kind of always saw disabled, like, young boys with tracksuit pants really Mm. high up and, you know, looking really daggy. And I've been a really big advocate for Matthew to always look good as if he was a mainstream kid leaving the house. I wanted him to look the way, you know, he would in any circumstance. And I think it's great. And And I think people with a disability would also like to have that choice as well. They don't want to wear tracksuit pants every day. And I did see recently you're in the Australian Fashion Week, which is so awesome. Tell us a little bit how that came about. Yeah, so we did Australian Fashion Week with another adaptive clothing label called Christina Stevens, and we did it through the Adaptive Clothing Collective, which is like a group that we formed. Three of Australia's leading inclusive fashion brands have created it to have sort of a unified voice and message because it is such a growing category and we're still sort of paving the way a little bit in terms of people don't really know what adaptive fashion is in Australia that much yet, and so we wanted to have sort of a collective voice to be able to shape the industry. So we came together with them and approached Australian Fashion Week and they were super, super keen to have an adaptive show and sort of be a little bit more diverse. And you've got a trench coat, haven't you? I think I saw it on your website. What does it say? Yeah, so it says fix the system, not me, which um, was modelled on our runway. It was sort of our closing piece. And that was modelled by Chloe Hayden, who is an autistic actress. And that was really important, not only to all the models and to everyone watching and to us, but we had a lot of conversations with each of our models in the lead up to Australian Fashion Week about, you know, what's important to them when they get dressed each day and what do they look for in accessible clothing. And we had a really interesting conversation with Chloe, which was that she felt as an autistic person, she was really passionate about her rights and loved having those kind of conversations and topics of interest that she Mm. would do that deep dive into. And one of them was autistic and disability rights. 
And so we said, well, why don't you show that through your fashion and through your style? And so it was really important that she was the one wearing that trench coat, which was also obviously quite bold in colours and really stood out and she absolutely rocked it. But, yeah, the message behind it was very important for the overall show and for Chloe as well. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a really lovely piece. How do you go about designing your style? In our regular pieces, we sort of look at the dressing difficulties that people have either approached us with. So we do a lot of collaboration with those with lived experience. That's super important to us and one of our main values. And we'll sort of look at the different dressing needs that people have. And then Emma and I will go through and say, okay, how can we try and work around this one? How can we work around this one? And then because we're not from a fashion background, we bring in some experts <laughs> to be able to assist and say, hey, you know, we'll say, you know, we'd like a zip to go here. Is that going to be possible? What sort of closure will work here? And we work through sort of, yeah, from the needs first and then we try and fit them into the pieces that we're designing. Yeah, and it is, it's a lot of trial and error. Like with the whole production process, we can have a design in our head, but then once it becomes a reality in a sample and you're like, oh, that doesn't work out like we thought it would, or that doesn't look as great. It's functional, but it's not stylish as we want it to be. And so it's a lot of trialing and area and editing the samples until we're happy with the end product, which again, as Molly said, through the design process, we collaborate with people with lived experience, but also through the sampling and sort of testing phase. We also you know, test it out on people that will benefit from it to see if it's actually working how we intend it to work. Yeah, because you don't want to cause us the same sort of problem, do you? Like, yeah. If it doesn't fit actually when it's sampled or it does, it's not comfortable, then it's kind of defeated it your purpose. The purpose, yeah. yeah. It's not meeting the needs that we intend it to. So yeah. back to the drawing board. <laughs> and material would be important too, is, isn't it? Especially the pyjamas. I noticed they're quite hard jersey material, obviously not for biting and just that sen- sensory. Tell us a little bit about the materials you've used. Yeah, so materials is super important from a functional aspect because obviously they need to look great and they need to feel great. So they need to yeah have a certain tactile feel to them. So for instance, with our bamboo tops, it was really important that we, they were soft because we wanted to reduce as much sensitivity as possible, tactile sensitivity as possible. But then it was also really important that they had stretch to it. So for that functional aspect, again, that, you know, we both had lots of experiences especially with Jack and Maddie where trying to assist with getting a t-shirt on would end up in a ripped neckline or something stretching and losing its shape because you're having to stretch the fabric over tight limbs or something like that so you know in that product it was really important to us that the fabric had to be soft but also stretchy which is why we've got a bamboo elastane fabric with that one but all of our products yeah probably the fabric is the biggest sticking point that we're like, we're not happy until the fabric is 100% serving its purpose. And a lot of the time that is getting stretched into it Mm. because with stretch obviously has more give and just has more flexibility with ease of getting dressed. So yeah, in every single one of our products, the fabric is extremely important from that functional aspect. And what new trends have you got going at the moment? What new designs is in the making? Mm. So we're about to release a couple of new products in July. We're bringing out a hoodie, which is good, which will sort of close up our essentials range 
which at the moment we've got, yeah, our essentials and our sort of basics, which are going to be our staple collection that we have all the time. And then we're moving towards, at the moment, we're hiring for a um, our first fashion designer to come on board to help us do sort of more seasonal sort of fashion forward ranges that we're going to hopefully have sort of once or twice a year. So we're super excited for that. So yeah, sort of more to show a bit more of Jam's sort of funky personality. And we're about to re-release our first product, which was that jacket designed for wheelchair users. We've sort of rejigged that a little bit to be a bit more universal and we're bringing that out in July as well. We're really excited to get more sort of bold colours out mm. there as Molly said, that sort of funkiness so that people can see our products and be like, oh, that's a jam item mm. by how it looks. Yeah, at the moment we've got our essentials, which is great, and everyone has to have those sort of staple items, but we're really excited to get that boldness out there and a bit more of that useful personality. Yeah, they're fantastic. And are you just um, supplying in Australia or have you got ambitions to take Jam Global? Mm. So I think we're in a very unique position in Australia with the NDIS and we sort of want to get it right here in Australia first and sort of grow our name here and get sort of, yeah, really established here in Australia and then we're definitely looking to expand overseas. I think, you know, there's people with disabilities all over the world and we want to be able to provide choice and control and options for them as well. Sounds fantastic. And the models on the show, you mentioned before you had a girl with autism. How did you select the models that you used? Yeah, so for Australian Fashion Week, we knew that we had six looks, so we had to find six different models. It was important to us to show people, all the people watching, that disability is diverse, particularly for us with our background and having a lot of experience within the disability community. We wanted to show that adaptive or inclusive clothing is not just for people with physical disability, which it's often viewed and which some brands often are just stick to physical disability. But I think that's where we're quite unique because we are OTs is that we kind of view disability really holistically. I mean, we chose a few models because we had great relationships with them and we knew that it would be a great opportunity for them. But yeah, we also wanted to have yeah diversity within our models and, you know, sort of gender diversity, identity diversity, cultural diversity, everything really. There's a couple of great modeling agencies that are appearing over the last couple of years, which are more diverse as well. So for instance, CBD is one that we contacted and they sort of specialize in really diverse models. Um, so we were able to get a couple of our models from their agency. And yeah, obviously we had a few models that do have physical disability or wheelchair users or mm-hmm. ambulant wheelchair users. However, we also had, yeah, um, Chloe, who identifies as being autistic. We also used Jonathan Gerlach, who is a Paralympic triathlete. And he has a vision and hearing impairment. So that was a really great um, experience. Mm. Unfortunately, he was actually in a triathlon for the runway. So we did the whole process with him, design process, filmed everything. But on the day, he didn't model it down the runway. However, his was a really great experience to show how, you know, fashion can be exclusionary or exclusive of people with vision impairment and a lot of the population wouldn't consider their dressing needs and so you know just a few different design features allowed his outfit to be way more inclusive of what his dressing needs are with his vision impairment we also had so the model that actually modeled that outfit down the runway louis he actually didn't identify as having a disability which was also important to us to show that anyone can wear our products Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't have to be this super specialized separated category yeah our products looked like they deserve to be on a runway and so anyone should be able to them so that was really important as well with our model choice 
Jonathan was great to have actually because we, as Emma was saying, we have sort of a really diverse working background of working with lots of different people with lots of different disabilities, but we hadn't designed previously for someone with a vision impairment. And so discussing with him, he was telling us lots of different stories because previously we'd been sort of told by we discussed with people with vision impairments before, but they were speaking about how, you know, it was often the shopping experience that was difficult for them. So accessibility of people's websites or within a shop and things like that. But Jonathan was saying that often he would have difficulty with sort of contrasting, he'd need contrasting colours because he might pick out a top and be like, great, great, I think this is blue, these pants are denim or black or whatever. And he, he said that one time he went out and he was wearing just a full grey outfit because he did, he couldn't figure out what he was, you know, he didn't know that he was wearing that or it was sort of inside out. And so that was really interesting to figure out, you know, maybe we could put some tactile indicators so he knows mm. what side. So we made one side of the jacket velvet and the other side like a suiting material because then he would be able to know, okay, the pink side's the velvet side, the blue side is the suiting. I know which I'm selecting. So that was really interesting to design for. Hmm. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Like you don't think about all these at all, bits mm. and pieces, do you? I mean, I know that, you know, Louis has fine motor skill issues, so he has difficulty undoing his buttons. I know you've got magnetic buttons, yeah, which is fantastic. But mm-hmm. those sort of things with vision impairment, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know what you could practically do to assist that, would you? Yeah, exactly. And even I think that's what we sort of try and share as well, that, you know, so many people benefit from even things like the magnetic closures and it's not just people yeah so definitely people with fine motor difficulties but also people with intellectual disability who may have difficulty matching up the buttons even sort of can put the bottom of the shirt together and it zips up and they're not having to sort of figure out where and people with chronic pain or chronic fatigue who can do up the buttons but it takes sort of half an hour and then they need to go and rest for half the day in bed because they've used up their energy threshold so yeah benefits a lot of different people And how did you both get into OT? I think we kind of have similar stories. We both took, well, I took a gap year after high school and I was going to go into nursing. I knew I wanted to do something within the healthcare industry. Whilst I was traveling, I met a lot of OTs who just raved about the profession and said like, you'll never get bored. It's the best career ever. And that's one thing we always talk about. You, ne- I've never met an OT that's not passionate about being an OT. Everyone sort of loves the field because it is so broad and so varied and it's so meaningful as well to the people you're working with so I did about six months of nursing and then realized I wanted that sort of that input that OTs get with their um, clients and so I moved over but also because my mum worked for Urala at the time and she was saying I worked with so many amazing OTs Emma like you have to go into it I think it would suit you really well so I was influenced by my mum a bit with that which I think you were mine was similar my mum worked in disability sort of all while I was growing up and then went on to do nursing but she was similar she was like OT would be so good and I went to open days when I was finishing high school and I just heard this story from the OT information session about this gentleman who had become a wheelchair user and really loved the beach and couldn't couldn't access the beach because it wasn't accessible to him. And they told this story about all these different things that the OT had put into place, which then got the gentleman back to being able to go to the beach again. And I was just like, wow, imagine being able to have that sort of impact on someone's life. And so, yeah, I think that that's the sort of thing that it makes us both really passionate about OTs. It's super creative and you can get yeah, make a difference in things that really matter to people. Yeah, we love OTs, don't we? Yeah, we, <laughs> we learn so much from OTs. And even like now what you're doing, it's so, I mean, I, I didn't even know that Matthew struggled with tags on the back because he obviously can't tell me until now I've noticed he's pulling them all off. Yeah. So it's just, you're always learning and you always, we've found 
our boys are 22, we're still using OTs. So, mm. yeah. And, you know, it's amazing how you've created this label because it makes it, you know, they can go online, they can look for themselves what they want to buy. And it's trendy. It's not, you're not just going to target and buying tracksuit pants for them. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, it's been awesome to have you on, girls. We can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And our boys will probably be wearing your clothes. (laughs) I've just ordered a couple of things. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Sia. Thank you. Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favourite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 13114.